Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. In this episode of the Faith in Maine podcast, we focus on the second practice in the way of love, which is to learn. Learn in the way of love means reflecting on scripture each day, especially on Jesus' life and teachings. We talk with Bishop Brown about the practice of dwelling in scripture each day, what kind of mindset we should cultivate when approaching scripture, what tools are available for us to work scripture reflection into our busy daily lives, and what this practice can mean for all of us. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you, Bishop, for joining us. For this next edition of the Faith in Maine podcast, we're continuing along the way of love. Today, we're talking about learn, which is defined as reflecting on scripture each day, especially on Jesus' life and teachings. So why do you feel it's important to reflect on scripture each day? Why is a daily practice important rather than just hearing scripture in church on Sunday? Katie, I'm really glad to be with you again. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation. One of the things uh, that is really important for me is uh, to try, I don't always succeed, but to try to uh, have scripture inform my daily life. So for me, what's important about not relying solely on Sunday morning, but engaging um, some piece of scripture, even if it's the upcoming Sunday morning, um, is to remind me who I am. So it is not because I preach. It is not because I'm a professional religious person. It's because all of these stories and all of this truth that is held so dearly and sacredly to me uh, helps me live my life. So what would you say to the person then who doubts that stories from long, long ago have relevance for life today? Well, let me just um, laugh and chuckle at the fact that I have a 17-year-old nephew who is that. Um, He challenges me all the time about the veracity of scripture, and he believes that I'm sort of crazy for regarding uh, aspects of the Bible as truth, or even more crazy for believing that somehow these words can change and inspire me. And and I love that. I love that he uh, has just recently uh, challenged me. Uh, you and I are meeting today on Easter Tuesday. So on Easter Day, we were in the kitchen uh, getting things ready for our Easter meal. And he really hammered at me about various things, including the story of creation. And uh, he's really hung up on the virgin birth, among other things. So I think what's important to say to the person who is either disbelieving entirely, as my nephew is, or skeptical, or maybe even moving in a positive direction, kind of curious, is to regard the Bible as an ancient source of truth. Uh, One of the things that you and I know is that the Bible remains an incredibly profitable book sale. People, People buy the Bible around the world. And uh, it's, 
it's noteworthy that people who are not Jewish and people who are not Christian still know the Bible. So when I think about a universal text that is known the world over and frankly regarded by people who are religious and people who are not, uh, it seems to me that it's that's one way to sort of suggest that this this ancient truth has the capacity to inform our practice in the year 2021. The Bible seems to have, or does have, great cultural importance, no matter what religious tradition you follow or don't follow. It's hard to argue that the scriptures have had great impact on in art and literature and, and, and culture as a whole. So you talked about the Bible being a, a, something that's sold all over the world, and, and I believe it's the world's most printed, most sold book still. Do you have a particular Bible that is special to you? I do. I actually have two of them. One was given to me when I was confirmed. Uh, I was uh, 13 years old and I was confirmed in the United Methodist Church. And the pastor of my church at the time uh, gave me a Bible and uh, wrote inside of it um, a pretty long message of encouragement. He was a pretty significant mentor and uh, was one of the persons who, who, whose practice um, with the Bible I noticed. So he modeled, uh, I don't think he knew he was modeling, uh, but there were days uh, when he was in his study at the church that I could see that he was studying scripture and had other secondary sources as well as the Bible. So there's something about this note from Dean Willis that uh, feels uh, really important. The, the other Bible is the one that I used uh, during seminary. And so it's tattered, it's full of notes and highlighted with various colors of highlighter. And uh, it's the thing that I used to get through courses in Old Testament and in New Testament. Uh, so that that remains a really important Bible too. Now, of course, you went to seminary, as you had just mentioned. You also, as you had just mentioned, are a professional religious person. Do you mm. feel like one needs a seminary education to really read and understand the Bible? I think this is a great question, and the answer is absolutely not. And I think one of the things that we in the Episcopal Church have been I think unwittingly guilty of doing is somehow suggesting that those of us with a seminary education somehow are the ones to be delivering information about and maybe even mediating. We know that Episcopalians generally are not known for our knowledge of the Bible. And I think that we really have work to do to emphasize that this this book is available to anybody who is who is able to read and that it's it's wisdom and its application is both universal and entirely specific so that if you were to read a piece of scripture and I were to read a piece of scripture and our neighbor was to read the same piece of scripture each of us would have a response to it and frankly 
the person with the seminary education, sometimes we get in the way because we get so in our head rather than allowing it to move us and inspire us and get inside of our soul. So it's really important to say uh, absolutely no. One does not need a seminary education. And at times, I think, a seminary education can actually get in the way. In a recent town hall meeting with clergy members and lay leaders, you shared some of the best practices from Renewal Works, which is a process to help churches and the individuals in them refocus on spiritual growth. One of those best practices is embed the Bible in everything. What does that phrase mean to you, embed the Bible in everything? In that town hall, Katie, one of the things that I was trying to do was to address the need that all churches have, I think, to continually meet uh, needs in their community. And one of the ways in which scripture is essential, I think, is to help us as individuals and communities of faith decide where they're going to define their mission and their practice uh, based on what it is these ancient truths in both the Old and New Testaments reveal to us. So to embed the Bible in everything, um, to me, that is suggesting, A, that Episcopalians have some work to do here because we're not generally, as I said earlier, we're not generally known as a Bible particularly proficient in our biblical knowledge. That's really ironic in a way, because if we if we point to the Book of Common Prayer, we know that most of the prayer book is scripture. And on Sunday mornings, we hear four pieces of scripture. We hear a reading from the Old Testament. We usually sing or say a psalm. We hear an epistle, and we hear a gospel reading. So it is a kind of irony that uh, we don't have as much knowledge, at least in popular culture, we're not known to be um, uh, so knowledgeable about the Bible. And yet, we engage the Bible a lot. So, but I think your question about renewal works, suggesting that it be embedded in everything, for me, that's a kind of simple way. So for instance, if we think about a church that has two or three or more events that happen in its day, in its weekly life outside of Sunday morning. There may be a committee that meets, there may be a small group, there may be a youth group, there may be an opportunity to do some service in the community, who knows what, right? I mean, we can, we can come up with four or five things that might happen with a sub-community of a whole church between Monday and Saturday. Before, every one of those events, if a group just took two or three minutes and read the, the gospel reading, for example, for the upcoming Sunday, someone reads it out loud, and then everybody responds to what it is that they heard or what it is they hear God saying to them, how this meets their life or how, or how it doesn't. I mean, that can also be incredibly helpful to um, to say, you know, this is a piece of scripture that I 
I don't get, or I don't understand, or I don't agree with, or I don't know how this fits. That is engaging the Bible and embedding it in everything we do. Uh, so that's one example of what, what I think it means to embed the Bible in everything. And I think also it means referring to Scripture more. Those of us who, who are leaders, we can, we can consciously make sure that we are referring to Scripture. I sometimes say that really good preachers illustrate the Scripture of the day by using other Scripture. So that is all in a religious context of what churches can do, let's say during their you know, weekly committee meetings. What about a family? What about busy individuals? How can they embed the Bible in their daily lives when church is not their life every day? Yeah. The great thing about uh, 2021 is that we have all this access to fabulous technology. And there are ways in the same way that we can track our calories and we can track our footsteps and make sure we get our 10,000 steps in a day. There are ways to also incorporate scripture into our daily life. And there are many, many apps, but there are also for a family. I think about um, some families speak about the loss of the supper, you know, like it, like the days of the 1950s when everybody sat down at the dining room table and had a meal together at six o'clock. Um, many of our families don't have that practice. And so I don't want there to be any sense that I'm suggesting that we go back to 1955. So how can we be in 2021 engaging and using scripture? And, and I think our phones and our devices, I think that screens, um, especially for families with young children, there are tremendous opportunities for us to engage scripture and, and for it not to be a big deal. I know to, there are things that we can do in the car and, uh, there are games, especially for young kids. Um, there are some fabulous tools to make, um, biblical awareness fun and, uh, to make it engaging and interesting. So I think that it really requires a commitment and a desire to have these ancient truths change us. So what ways of reflecting on scripture are most life-giving for you? One of the great things that I think Bible studies do is this thing that I talked about earlier, which is not to get in our head so much, but to have someone else read a piece of scripture out loud. And then for there to be a little bit of silence, 10 or 15 seconds, and then to hear other people say what it is that they heard or how it is they understand God calling them to do or be something, that's a very powerful thing for me because I very often learn more from the other person in the circle or in the room than I do from my own reading of it quietly. So as you know, one of my daily practices is to do daily morning prayer. And there's always scripture. And uh, for those of us who say both morning prayer and evening prayer, um, there's a lot of scripture. But it's a very different thing to be sitting in my study and reading a piece of scripture on my own versus 
hearing it read out loud by someone else and then hearing other people say what they are hearing or wanting um, God to do with them. So that's a very powerful way um, for, at least it has been for me, forever. I'm always struck by how much I learn by listening to other people as they respond to pieces of scripture. So keeping along those same lines of scripture in community, have you ever had any memorable, let's say, teachers or spiritual directors or even peers who helped you understand scripture in a new or different way? Yeah, one of the great themes in my life, and I know the people of Maine will get tired of this, but um, my paternal grandmother uh, was a really important person in helping me develop faith and to um, to catch faith. Uh, she was someone who, just by her life, I think, was really able to share faith in a natural and beautiful way. And um, for whatever reason, I think God um, opened me enough to catch it. And uh, she was someone who used the Bible every day, and it sat next to her uh, chair in the living room. So she is for sure a teacher, uh, and she's been dead since 2008. Uh, but there, there, there's not very many days when I don't think about her and uh, when I give thanks for the way in which she opened scripture without, I mean, she never sat me down and said, okay, now, now we're going to talk about the Bible. Um, it was far more natural. It was just part of what she did day in and day out. So she's one person. I had a professor in seminary who is now retired, but still uh, well known in parts of the church named Bill Countryman. And he was a professor of New Testament. And um, he is also a great um, teacher of Christian spirituality. So what I experienced in Bill as a teacher was not someone who was simply trying to give us content knowledge about the Gospels and the Epistles, but someone who was forever helping us be formed as followers of Jesus Christ and people who pray and people who teach and people who lead and people who listen. Uh, so Bill's approach to teaching, um, particularly that content that we call the New Testament, remains with me, um, which is um, one of the things I caught and uh, learned from him is to approach any time one reads scripture as an opportunity to connect with God more than an opportunity to learn. And you can see probably as I say that, hopefully you and our listeners can acknowledge that there's a different approach that happens psychologically, cognitively, emotionally. If we approach a task by way of this is an opportunity for me to have a deeper relationship with the God of all creation versus this is an opportunity for me to learn some historical content. It's not to say that learning is bad in any way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is always an opportunity for scripture to change me. And that's something I learned from Professor Countryman. Is there a piece of scripture or a Bible verse that you feel has changed you or has special resonance for you? There are. Uh, there are several, but there's one that in this season of my life, I'd say in the last decade or so, that I return to. Um, and it's, it's the first chapter 
of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And it's sometimes called St. Paul's prayer. And uh, it's really this beautiful language of praise and glory. And Paul is suggesting that, that there's a way to live to give praise and glory to God that's rooted in joy. And so when I think about my vocation as a Christian and as someone who desires to live joyously and to be generous, um, generous of spirit and generous in every other way, there are certain pieces of scripture that really help me live into that and claim that. Um, so this is the 15th verse of the first chapter of Ephesians. And St. Paul is writing here and he says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And then, and then he goes on to talk about his prayer. And he says, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? So it's this, um, this beautiful image for me of reminding me that I have been given a trust and I have been given an opportunity always to claim this great hope and this great wisdom. Uh, that is not so much about me, of course, but is the power of God working in me and working through all of us. So the first chapter of Ephesians, uh, not just the part I just read, but really the entire first chapter, it's not that long, is a place that I return to when I'm feeling like I need to be reoriented. Well, thank you, Bishop Brown, for spending time with us today talking about Learn, the practice on the way of love, as we continue through our series. We appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you so much. I look forward to the next time that we can be together. Have a great day and Alleluia, Christ is risen. Happy, happy Easter. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast. Brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. If you like this podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.